He was born a slave, but he would die a philosopher. Tortured, broken, exiled, but a victim? <laughs> Not Epictetus. His teachings would influence emperors, kings, generals. His philosophy would influence the world. So let's go meet Epictetus, the slave turned stoic philosopher. Maybe you got lost somewhere, swimming too far off the beach, off the coastline. What's going on, everyone? Welcome. My name is Rob, and today we're going to be going over the fourth book. In the second volume of the Harvard Classic series, The Golden Sayings of Epictetus. Now, this dude is like one of the original Stoics. Before Ryan Holiday and Marcus Aurelius, there was Epictetus. Let's set up the context and the background real quick because that'll kind of help us understand his ideas and his teachings. And then after that, we'll dive into the golden sayings of the great Epictetus. A little back history. Epictetus was a Greek born in Herapolis, which is in modern-day Turkey. He was born around the middle of the first century AD, so somewhere between like 50 and 55 AD. The exact date is not really agreed upon. And he was born into slavery. His name, Epictetus, in Greek means to gain or to be acquired. So it's kind of a fitting name for somebody who was born into slavery. He was the slave of Epaphroditus, and Epaphroditus was a wealthy freedman, and he was actually the secretary of uh, to, to Nero, who was the Roman emperor at the time. Now just for context, Nero was more on the tyrannical side of the ruling scale. He did some pretty awkward things in life. He killed his mom. He married a little boy named Sporus, who apparently looked like his previous wife. He then had him castrated. And then after that, Nero would get his secretary, Epaphroditus, to basically kill him whenever things got a little too hot in Rome, you know. So basically, he couldn't commit suicide on his own. He got a little scared, got a secretary to do it for him. Different story for a different day. That would be a fun one to cover. But let me just state real quick. If you spend some time studying the Roman period, you will quickly realize that our political issues today are G-rated compared to theirs back then. It's night and day. Barney versus Game of Thrones. Anyway, back to Epictetus. This is the environment Ep Epictetus would be kind of raised in. Complete chaos, slavery, perversion, and sin. And it appears Epictetus around this time acquired a passion for philosophy while he was a slave. And he would start to study Stoic philosophy under Musonius Rufus. And there is this story, you know, of Epictetus basically with his master and his master's twisting his leg. And he tells his master, if you keep twisting my leg, it's going to snap. The master keeps doing it. And eventually the leg snaps. And Epictetus, in a Stoic show of countenance, says... I told you that was going to happen. The story first appears to be mentioned from Origen, who was a Christian promoter in the 2nd century. And this guy Origen would eventually castrate himself in the name of religion and stuff like that, which is probably a little bit of too much information, but sometimes circumcision, it just ain't quite enough. Anyway, it's also said that Epictetus may have just been disabled kind of as a child, so nobody really knows. But a good story to promote a great cause never goes out of style. After Nero died in 68 AD, uh, Epictetus would eventually gain his freedom, and he would teach in Rome for about 15 years until Emperor Domitian would banish all philosophers around 90 to 93 AD. A good bit of the Christian persecutions would go on during this period as well. So during that period, Epictetus would live in Rome until his exile to Nicopolis, which is in, I think, the northwestern part of Greece. Epictetus, like Socrates, he'd never write anything down. And if he did, those documents have been lost to history. So the writings of Epictetus, uh, the one like the ones we're about to go over, or the, or the discourses, or the fragments, they all come from his pupil or his student, Arian. 
Now, Arian would take notes at his lectures, and I've read that he would take them verbatim. It's said that Emperor Hadrian had uh, probably heard some of Epictetus's lectures, and it's also believed that Marcus Aurelius would have studied the Stoic teachings of Epictetus as well. So with that being said, let's dive into the Golden Sayings of Epictetus. The Golden Sayings of Epictetus is one of those books where the experiences and place you're at in life will determine what you get out of these sayings and these teachings. What sticks out and is intriguing to me will most likely be completely different for you. The four main points that I kind of took away from the teachings are this. One, philosophy is a way of life for Epictetus. He lives it. Two, becoming completely independent from external circum circumstances beyond our control. And three, the realization that man must find happiness within himself and accept whatever happens calmly. And then four, the duty of respecting the voice of reason in your soul and taking responsibility. Epictetus starts out the book by praising God. Very quickly you find that Epictetus is very religious and he is devoted to his God. And then we get into our first main idea of Epictetus in my opinion. And it's on how we bear things. Let me explain. He says here that, Yet God has not only given us these faculties by means of which we may bear everything that comes to pass without being crushed or depressed, but he has given it to us without hindrance and without restraint. There's no limit. And the problem is, he said, we take that for granted. We take that for granted, this gift, and we don't really use it wisely. He says, If you choose, you are free. If you choose, you need blame no man. Accuse no man. All things will be at once according to your mind and according to the mind of God. That means between you and God only. Both of you and only you choose everything that happens to you. Your mom does not control how you feel. History does not dictate your outcome. And past relationships do not define your worth. Everything is on you and God. Your happiness, your health, your peace, your tiredness, your sadness, your stress, your hate. It's all on you. So the question is, how do you deal with it? Epictetus would say you need to get with God tonight and start working it out. This mindset, it's, it's a way of life for Epictetus. He says, you must know that it is no easy thing for a principle to become a man's own unless each day he maintain it and hear it maintained as well as work it out in life. How many people start exercising in January just to quit before the month even ends? Maintaining discipline and working at something daily is difficult. To achieve almost anything in, in life, it means making what you're wanting to achieve a lifestyle, a lifestyle you live out. So the Stoics believed your guardian spirit was basically your reason. But what is philosophy? Epictetus says the beginning of philosophy is to know the conditions of one's own mind. That's one of the best lines of the book. Know the conditions of your own mind, not the mind of someone else. Not Socrates' mind, not Nietzsche's mind, not some mind that you put up on a pedestal. Know your mind. Explore it. Dissect it. What can it handle and at what pressure will it break? Know thyself comes into play here. And for those who do not know themselves, Epictetus says, do not mock and jeer them. He says, help them bring themselves back. It's kind of like if you see a, a man that's hungry on the street. Don't complain that there's a poor person there begging for food. Provide some food. Offer a job. Listen to his issues. See what the deal is. Pull that person back up to the battle line of life so they can press on. After that, we kind of move into one of the one of the issues that I actually struggle with, and I think it's one of the bigger issues that we have in society. And it's how happiness is directly related to where we place our attention and how we spread it out. He says, if I show you that you lack just what is most important and necessary 
to happiness, that hitherto your attention has been bestowed on everything than that which claims it most, and to crown all, that you know neither what God nor man is, neither what good nor evil is. Why, that you are ignorant of everything else, perhaps you may bear to be told, but to hear that you know nothing of yourself, how could you submit to that? Does the mirror harm the offensive man by the reality of which he sees? He goes on to say, if you go to a doctor and the doctor says you have fever, you're going to take some medicine. If, you, if you've broken your leg, you're going to let the doctor help you. But he says here, if someone tells you that your desires are inflamed, your instincts of rejection are weak and low, your aims are inconsistent, your opinions are rash and false, even if every statement is true, the person still walks away and thinks you have insulted them. I found that life can be improved if you can learn to take criticism. And I found it can be greatly improved if you learn to parse out valuable criticism. There's a passage in Epictetus that just really hammers home his faith in God. He says, Lay hold with a desperate grasp before it is too late on freedom, on tranquility, on greatness of soul. Does he care about shoes, jewelry, or status? Nah. He says, Lift up your head as one escaped from slavery. Dare to look up to God and say, Deal with me henceforth as thou wilt. Think about that. He's giving up an earthly master that controls his body for a heavenly master that will control his soul. One of my favorite parts of the book is this, where he says, Who then is a Stoic, in the sense of a statue modeled after the artistic one? Show me a man in the sense modeled after the doctrines that are ever upon his lips. Show me a man that is sick but happy, in exile and happy, in danger and happy, in evil rapport and happy. Show him to me, I ask again. So help me, heaven, I long to see one stoic. Nay, if you cannot show me one fully modeled, then let me at least see one whom the process is still at work. He is basically saying that he does not know any models of stoicism, but only ones that are striving for it. The process is stoicism. There is no such thing as a complete stoic. Another one I love that he says is, If you have assumed a character beyond your strength, you have played a poor figure in that, a neglected one that is within your powers. You search for an external hero when the hero is within. You care more about the fame and the abilities of LeBron than you care about the abilities of your own self. Tim Tebow and Keanu Reeves have been said to do some great things. Is it not in your power to do great things? And now I get the sentiments of having like that hero figure. I look up to, you know, individuals of the past. I think a lot of us do. But let's not forget how great you are and how much greater you can actually be. The next reading, it solidifies the two of the four points I mentioned uh, in the beginning. And Epictetus says this here, Seemeth it, knowing to you, never to accuse, never to blame either God or man, to wear ever the same countenance in going forth as in coming in. This was the secret of Socrates. Countenance um, is just the expression of the face, what your face is saying you know, if you have an angry countenance, it's anger. With that being said, if you go into a room happy, regardless of what happens in that room, you should walk out happy. Why? Because you control, you have sole control of your emotions in that room. Not your boss, not your coworkers, not your wife, your husband. And I get it. Okay, I admit, I've walked out of some rooms pretty angry before. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to live that stoic life. And one of my favorite lines from the book, it's a very simple one. He says, 
then show them by thy own example of what kind of men philosophy can make. It's kind of like that Christian thing, like, you know, don't don't go telling everybody you're a Christian. Somebody should be able to look at you and say, man, I, I want to live like that guy. What are you doing? Be the example people want to follow. I love this too. Epictetus says, like an ape, you mimic what you see to one thing constant never. The thing that is familiar charms no more. You see David Goggins running on YouTube and it motivates you to lace up your shoes. You get excited and you quit your previous hobby to pursue your new hobby of running. After a few weeks, it gets boring. The thing that is familiar charms no more. That is one of the truest things of society today. Nobody sticks to anything. Right here, he says, if any be unhappy, let him remember that he is unhappy by reason of himself alone. For God hath made all men to enjoy the felicity and the constancy of good. I love that. You discover happiness when you start exploring your mind. Maybe the mind needs some help figuring things out. It may need to be exercised, or it may physically need to move your body to a new environment to improve the quality of inputs it receives. Maybe getting a little too deep there. Epictetus will go on to speak about freedom a lot. Being a former slave, it's easy to see why, but his take on slavery is a little different than our modern idea of it. He then brings up Diogenes, who in our modern society would have just been thought of some crazy dude. Epictetus says he was unable to be enslaved. You couldn't make Diogenes a slave because he did not value the things that could make him one. Pain of the body? It'll go away. I'll eventually die. Possessions? You can't take anything from me because I don't own anything. There is this famous exchange between Diogenes and Alexander the Great, where Alexander the Great, the great Greek general of Macedonia, found Diogenes just laying on the ground. And Alexander looks down at Diogenes and he says, Say what you want and I will grant it to you. Diogenes, without any hesitation, just looks up and says, do you mind just getting out of the way of my sunlight? You cannot enslave a mindset that does not bend to power. And we may need to think about that more than ever nowadays. Epictetus says, when asked how a man should best grieve his enemy, Epictetus said, by setting himself to live the noblest life himself. The greatest thing your enemy can see is that you're failing, that you quit, that you didn't make it. The worst thing your enemy can see is you're succeeding and that you continue to be virtuous and good. But let's move into truth for a minute. I love this section where he says, If you seek truth, you will not seek to gain a victory by every possible means. And when you have found truth, you need not fear being defeated. Truth is always the destination and it's always under assault. We get so caught up on being right due to ego that we forget that truth is the only thing that really matters. We then kind of move into this accepting your lot in life. And I have this idea that you can either accept your lot in life or you can go on to make it better. Epictetus says, If it be his good pleasure to assign thee the part of a beggar, a ruler, or a simple citizen, thine it is to play it fitly. For my business is to act the part assigned to me well, to choose it and others. So he's basically saying, Accept your lot in life. If you were born poor, be okay with it. With that being said, let me read you this one real quick. He says, Never call yourself a philosopher, nor talk much among the unlearned about principles, but do that which follows from them. Thus at a banquet, do not discuss how people ought to eat, but eat as you ought. Again, just being that example that you want people to follow. When asked who is the rich man, Epictetus replied, he who is content. And last but not least, to sum up Epictetus, 
I'm going to read this. This kind of hammers home his entire philosophy. Epictetus would also say that there were two faults far graver and fouler than any others, inability to bear and inability to forbear. When we neither patiently bear the blows that must be borne, nor abstain from the things and pleasures we ought to abstain from. So, he went on, if a man will only have these two words at heart, and heed them carefully by ruling and watching over himself, he will, for the most part, fall into no sin, and his life will be tranquil and serene. Bear and forbear. Think about those two words. The issues you are facing right now is probably because you don't want to face the situation you're in. Now, I know you've probably heard of the obstacle is the way, but only if you're willing to bear it. And then there's two forbear. We create so many of the problems that we face because we lack the forbearance or the resistance to the temptations of the things that hold us back. The resistance to quit drinking, quit watching porn, quit doing drugs, quit giving second chances to serial abusers. Forbear and resist the urge to stay stagnant and not change. Change is good for your soul sometimes. So bear your responsibilities and practice forbearance daily. But what about the things you can't control? Epictetus says this in regards to seafaring. What can I do? I can choose the master, the crew, the day, the opportunity. Then comes a sudden storm. What matters it to me? My part has been fully done. The matter is in the hands of another. The master of the ship? The ship is foundering. What then have I to do? I do the only thing that remains to me, to be drowned without fear, without a cry, without abrading God, but knowing that what has been born must likewise perish. Whew, that is Epictetus. And that is a great example of Stoicism, and I think we're going to leave that there. I want to go over a few quotes real quick that I thought were pretty cool. He says, Who would Hercules have been had he loitered at home? I like that. Uh, if a man would pursue philosophy, his first task is to throw away conceit, for it is impossible for a man to begin to learn when he has conceit that he already knows. He is free who lives as he wishes to live. Fame is but the empty noise of madmen. Try to enjoy the great festival of life with other men. With that being said, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Golden Sayings of Epictetus. And sorry if I got a little long-winded. There's just something about Epictetus when I start reading Epictetus and his works. I can almost feel like his personality like they're laughing beside me. It's kind of weird. But if you like this type of content, please consider subscribing, smashing the like button. All that kind of helps the algorithm push this content and I would definitely like to get it out there to more people. I would love to hear from you in the comments. I reply to all the comments. So if you go down there and you leave something, I'll definitely reply to you. I want to learn from you just as much as I hope you're learning from this series. And lastly, if you love reading amazing books and drinking some amazing coffee, check out my website linked below. I source all my green coffee, I roast the coffee, I package it, and I ship it out to you with the love only somebody that truly loves coffee can do. With that being said, thank you so much for watching, and I'll see you next week as we dive into the fragments of Epictetus. It's going to be really short. I'm just going to read them, go through, uh, kind of explain whatever I think about them. After that, we'll move into the famous emperor, Marcus Aurelius, and keep on going. I've, I am truly enjoying this series. It's, it's so fun. Um, I feel truly blessed to do this. So until we meet again, drink some amazing coffee, read some amazing books. I love you, and we'll chat soon. Thank you all so much. Appreciate it. I was making lots of noise, busking on the city streets. I came back from Brooklyn, but you didn't come back for me.